and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Karen Steckley. With me, as always, a man whose contract with The Athletic only has one opt-out, and that's if Taylor Swift needs another songwriter or a little PR help. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. Uh, what about if I just marry Taylor Swift? Because then I'm quitting my job. You know what? That's fair too. That's fair too. It's not an opt out though. It's just it's just a quit. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor Swift's music, Cody. I don't want to speak for you. Brings good vibes. Is it not? Even if it's a sad song, it's good vibes. Good vibes. Taylor Swift music. Good vibes for the Tigers this week. I know the weekend ended with two losses. But we're not going to let that distract from the fact that this team was on a six-game winning streak. And they were scoring runs. These are things that... These are sentences that I have not had to say all that often this year. And... It started out with a July 4th doubleheader win. Continue on into the series. It's a it's a really rough stretch. We had talked about it. A rough stretch for the Tigers and in terms of scheduling, you know, no days off until the All-Star break, that kind of thing. A couple doubleheaders in there. There'll be one tomorrow or today for listening to this on Monday. It didn't end so hot this week. However, there was a lot of good that happened. So why don't we kind of start out like this? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna list some things that were either positive or just kind of like, oh, wait, that happened. And this is not a comprehensive list, but I just kind of I just kind of jotted some things down, and you can tell me what are the more important things, more noteworthy things, more surprising how whichever direction you want to go so how about this I'll, I'll i'll get i'll get you a response after you know some of them how about scoring 11 runs in one day one game and then scoring eight runs the next day and then scoring seven plus in three or four games i didn't go back through the entire schedule maybe i should have I'm guessing that's the only time they've scored seven runs at least in three out of four games. How reassuring. How nice was that to see just in terms of offensive production? That seemed to be pretty cool to me. I, I know I'm at the at the water cooler at my work, but we don't actually have a water cooler. But, you know, at the metaphorical water cooler, I was like, hey, the Tigers scored this many runs the next day. They scored this many runs couple days later they scored this many runs and you know got a lot of baseball fans in the office they're like oh wow that's that's something i'll tell you what felt like something to me felt like something to me yeah i mean funny what happens when you hit the ball right uh, <laughs> also does anyone actually have a water cooler anymore in the office these are these are things i wonder about i don't really work in a traditional office so i don't know the answer to that one Mini fridge, mini fridge, um, mini fridge. Okay, I think you know some offices still have like a coffee, a coffee pot, something like that. Anyway, I mean it was it was great. It was great to see this team. Look, I don't think anyone ever would have projected this team to be like an offensive juggernaut, but it was great to see this team play a little bit more of an extended stretch, kind of looking a little more like the team we we thought we were going to see this season. And it helps when you get contributions from. Kind of all around the roster, guys like Eric Haas finally heating up. Javi Baez playing pretty well. The addition, obviously, of, of Riley Green, who you once thought was going to be on your opening day roster before the injury, um, as well as just some timely hits. I, I felt like he was up and down the roster, and then you have Miguel Cabrera uh, seeming like he's able to just hit an RBI single up the middle at will. So a different brand of baseball that certainly made for a more entertaining product. I don't think there's any way you can deny that one. Yeah, you're right. And and we'll get to Miguel Cabrera a little bit later. How about this? How about Garrett Hill 
making his major league debut, becoming the first Detroit Tiger to go six plus innings in a major league debut and allow less or two hits or less. That's uh that's for those keeping track at home. That's a twenty sixth, if my notes are correct, twenty sixth round draft pick from two thousand eighteen, going ahead and making history. Uh, you know, July fourth. I'll just take you back to what I was doing. July fourth, July fourth. We you know we have a we have a party every year at the Steckley House, and usually involves barbecue. No surprise to anyone who listens to this podcast on the reg and. Did an overnight smoke of a pork shoulder. Turned out amazing. But, you know, you're hosting. You got to clean. You got to, you know, cook all the other stuff. You got to get everything else in order, you know. And so I'm watching the game, but I'm also trying to entertain guests that come, you know, all that stuff. And, I'm, you know, people are asking me, it's like, who's this guy? I was like, it's the first time he's worn the old English D. And, you know, strikes out the side, you know, wicked off speed. Like, it. All these things, and people are like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy looks pretty good. <laughs> and I had no rebuttal of that. It looked pretty good there on July 4th. Nice little memorable. I, I know it didn't go as hot on Saturday, but he does deserve some credit to uh, to kind of gutting it out and eating some innings when he didn't have his stuff. That, would be, that, that was beneficial to the team overall. Overall, it's a positive for Garrett Hill this week, but, you know, you have a guy that was a promising rising prospect of of a certain scale, not overrating it, but a promising prospect comes in holiday. You know, he's got a different hat on, he's got different socks on, and goes out and deals. It's pretty good. Twenty six round pick. I think that's encouraging. Great things happen when you have like a firecracker on your socks, right? <laughs> and a, just a stupid hat, number one. And why was the Tigers' hat red? Why couldn't they get a blue uh, bill in the back of the cap like the Guardians? I thought it was terrible. But as far as Garrett Hill, um, number one, sharp young man, impressive guy. I had never really talked to him a lot before, whether in, in spring training or whatever. Definitely got a good head on his shoulders. And, of course, the type of story you root for Um Maybe one reason why I never talked to him a lot. I'd never been overly impressed with his stuff when I'd seen him in spring. I think I'd watched him in, in maybe Erie a time or two. And, you know, it's low 90s. He's got a pretty good cutter. He can work the ball, you know, on both sides of the plate pretty well. But I'd written before the season, like, kind of hard to explain why he's so good. But all this guy has ever done is post low ERA numbers throughout the minor leagues. And then he came up his first major league outing and... Couldn't exactly explain why it was good other than he was throwing strikes. He was able to vary his pitches enough, has a little bit of movement, kept dudes off balance. and was like, this is just what Garrett Hill does. Now, again, his second start, he did get roughed up a little bit. I've just never been in awe or even really impressed by the sheer level of the stuff. But uh, as I've said before, probably as I've come to believe a little more the past couple years, there's something to be said for guys who can just throw strikes and do some weak contact. Like there is still a place for that in today's game. I don't know if Garrett Hill is going to make a long career out of it or not, but at the, uh, you know, we're at this point in the year where I think with the Tigers, you just got to embrace good stories. They've started, I think 14 different starting pitchers now, which is the most in all of baseball, not necessarily a good thing, but another thing that adds some perspective, like this could be a whole lot worse considering you've started 14 pitchers. You've had these guys, of course, we've talked about Brisky, Fajardo, et cetera, even Drew Hutchison, and, and now um, Garrett Hill just coming in and filling the void and giving you some quality outings. Well, you mentioned Bro Brisky. I'll bring him up in a second. I'm not trying to get into the excuse business, but let's be honest here. Like At this point, pre-All-Star break, 14 different starting pitchers. I mean, that's a lot. I don't feel like that's a hot take. That's a lot. The record for the Tigers, if I'm remembering correctly, is 17. And from the teens, we've talked about this before. So, yeah, not ideal. That's just an example of what the Tigers have going are going through this year, of which there are many examples of some of the hardships that are just generally speaking, look at the draw stuff that 
they've had to deal with. And a guy who's come up as a result of that is Bo Brisky, who has had one of the more fascinating rookie experiences. He was one of those... It's, it's weird. It's like when... For fantasy football players, when it's like July and August, like, here's a sleeper, and then the same guy ends up on every single sleeper list. It's like, <laughs> is he really a sleeper if everybody says he's a sleeper? Bo Brisky became sort of like the sleeper of the farm system. But again, everybody was raving about him. This is a positive. Like, everybody was raving about him. It's like, well, is he really a sleeper? Like, his story was fascinating. You've written about it. We've talked about it. But... It wasn't necessarily like, oh my god, they bought a, brought up a Bo Brisky when they did. And then he went, or he is going, I should say, on a typical rookie trajectory where there's a lot of good. There's, there's a, some hills, some valleys. And what he did this week was obviously one of his hills at one point he he took a no hitter deep into the game at one point he was 15 of 16 retired batters it's yeah good. I, I don't think he was a sleeper at all i think he just had such a fast rise from 27th round no name guy to oh he's legit but i think once he put his foot down and said like i'm here i'm legit people took note not many people within the organization would have doubted that um, I think he showed the pitchability, and then once he started adding some velocity, and the slider kept getting better, very quickly by you know mini camp this early this spring, it was like, oh, this is going to be a guy who's going to pitch in the major leagues. Now, it was still a surprise. I think he got called up as early as as he did, but again, that was a testament to people within the organization were not viewing him as a sleeper. They were viewing him as this is one of our best young pitchers, you know, out of anyone. Uh, and I think it's been impressive to just, we've talked about it before, but just his level of battle on the mound, the way I think he's slowly made subtle, continuing, continual improvements, culminating in an outing like he had um, this past week. Fun fact, I was not on the road trip in Chicago. I had a, a rec league softball game, first rec league softball game of the year, and almost got ejected, also had six RBI, you know, no big deal. Uh, ejected because the umpire was keeping the score incorrectly, in case you're wondering. Uh, <laughs> but finish up the game, and you know, watching the Tigers uh, with a couple teammates, and it's like, yeah, you know, I probably won't write anything tonight. And it's like, oh my God, Bo Brisky's throwing a no-hitter, like, you know, starting <laughs> cranking back into work mode. Uh, and he ended up giving up a single, so it was okay. But Bo Brisky was so good that he sent me into a panic there for a little bit this past <laughs> week. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would have been just terrible circumstantial luck if, like, yeah, I had gone done a no-hitter and it would have been on the road again and you wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Like, that That would that, that would have been awful just in terms of, uh, of you personally having, wanting to see that, obviously. Be there, report it, tell the story. Uh, well, let me say this, or let me ask this, I should say. I feel like if if the front office views him as one of their promising young arms i'm not seeing anything that should move them off that position because there was a time where it's like all right he looks overwhelmed and then he just kind of deals and then he just kind of battles and he shows like he's got the physical traits that show out but to me in terms of when i'm watching him when i'm seeing him go about it pitch by pitch i'm seeing a guy who is displaying the traits i want to see out of a rotational starter i'm not overrating it but a rotate a guy in your rotation he's he, he's displaying the traits i'll, I'll be honest we're now i kind of alluded to it for a second there this year watching bo brisky the things that i feel the things that i see it's not all that different than when I watched Mr. Turnbull last year. I'm not comparing them directly as people or as players, but they there's a certain guttiness and a certain tenacity that I see pitch to pitch in between that reminds me of, of each other. 
So, so I do have to chime in because I, when I find myself using words like battle and gutsy, I'm like, usually when I hear other people, managers, coaches say those words, I'm like, okay, come on. Like most of this is a myth. And although I like to believe that with Bo Brisky, you pull up his stat cast page, you pull up the metrics, they're not encouraging. His expected ERA is 5.69. His actual ERA is 4.16. He ranks toward the bottom in, you know, expected slugging percentage. Uh, whiff rate, he's not generating swings and misses, which is rarely a good long-term sign. His hard hit rate is in the bottom one-third of the league, doesn't generate a lot of chases, and his fastball does have really good spin. I think that bodes pretty well. Um, he's going to have to continue to get better with this slider. It's been hit. You know, opponents have a 315 average against it. Um, even just looking at his pitch profiles, slider doesn't get a lot of movement. The changeup is, it, it gets good horizontal movement, doesn't move much vertically. The fastball has really good spin, rides through the zone. I think that's huge. And you can also look and say, well, he's using these pitches well. His changeup. Um, has really good numbers. He needs to continue to improve with the slider. That's going to help him miss more bats. Um, but just to check, like the eye versus the numbers do tell a little bit of a different story here. Um, the cold hard data tells you Bill Brisky does have a while to go to improve, and he's going to have to continue to make these adjustments. Otherwise, maybe some of these starts do begin going south more often, even though it seems like third, fourth, fifth inning, he just battles and gets better as the game goes on. Let me ask you, how many pitch pitcher is he? Is he a two or three? Two and a half right now. Uh, All right, so that's better than a lot of guys that better, we've talked about. Oh, we've talked about this. We Don't get me started on my Matt Manning rant. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. <laughs> if he's got two and a half, then then there's a little bit more to work with. Uh, but, yeah, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole right now, but... We're talking about progress here. We're talking about a guy who is showing like he wants to stick around. I'm going to give credit to him. Uh, next thing. How about Robbie Grossman getting a triple in Comerica Park? And Cody Clemens pimping the hell out of a home run. I, I, I know those weren't the same game. But you had a couple left-handed hitters that hit, hit, hit to right center field. I just kind of grouped them together. That was a lot of fun to see uh, for Robbie Grossman as uh, as I'm doing the notes watching Sunday's game. I, I forget which inning it was. It was later in the game, maybe the sixth or, you know, I'm sorry. I don't remember which inning it was. He, he takes like a breaking ball that didn't break, and it was a good six inches above the zone called strike. I was like... <laughs> This guy can't catch a break on that. But it was nice to see him leg out a triple, hit it to a part of the park that's always available. It's always available. He can do it anytime. And then Cody Clemens continuing to show pop. To show pop and making it really hard to ever put him down if uh, if that was if that's in the conversation, which obviously for him it's always gonna be in the conversation whenever people you know, other players get healthy or whatever. So I group kind of those together. Robbie Grossman, triple, Cody Clemens. Not only hitting a home run, he hit another one, but pimping the hell out of it. Yeah, I wanted to ask Robbie, like, oh, were you kind of thinking Comerica for that triple a little bit? You know, but, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't do it because uh, it would have been, been trolling him almost. Cody Clemens, I think he's kind of the player we thought he was, you know. He's got three homers. He's got a little pop every now and then does something at the plate. But through his first 53 at-bats, he's hitting 170. His OPS is 608. Um, I think he's had some at-bats where he where he looks pretty overwhelmed. But every now and then he stings the ball. You know, he's got a 108.9 max exit velocity. And I love, I love him pimping the homer. You know, that was awesome. So shout out Cody. And he's, he's kind of held his own. Again, it's not like he's been an instant uh, difference maker. 170 looks better on a team that uh, you have a lot of guys still hitting below 200. Um, so I kind of feel how, I, how I've how i always felt about Cody Clemens based on yeah. what we've seen well, from him so far. Well, here's the thing, though, is that if we're projecting this team, there's a good amount of value 
and players performing to what would be reasoned expectations, knowing who they are, and as of probably a couple years ago, I think the everyday second baseman or, you know, whatever Cody Clemens dream from an organizational perspective die. And that's not the code that's not to criticize Cody. There's still a lot of things that he can do. But if he is who you thought he was, there's still there's still a a role to be played there, especially given his defensive versatility. So I mean not I, to, I don't I don't no, no, no. Well, here's the thing. I don't really we, agree. We've had a dif- like... we've had a decent. Uh, this has been a dis. This, you know, has this not been a, di- a disappointing season for the Tigers so far overall? So then you have a guy that you brought up and who hasn't disappointed. So he's a little bit ahead of the curve there. I mean, like, if you're if you're uh, baseline for not disappointing is hitting 170. Like I think Cody Clemens is a great example of. Maybe not him specifically. He came to you as an older prospect, but Cody Clemens is the type of guy you need to make into a bona fide major leaguer. Like the Tigers, where are your fifty grade, you know, type players? Where are guys who fringe prospects who prove they can be either major league regulars or very useful utility men? That's the type of thing you wanted Cody Clemens to be. Would that have been exceeding expectations? Probably so. Uh, so Cody Clemens being probably realistically who we all thought he was is just I don't think it's a win or a loss I think it's just kind of a wash here's a guy who's looking a lot like a 4a player right now does that do you any good I know this is supposed to be a more positive podcast but now we're back talking about like <laughs> why do we not have actual roster pieces on this team the Cody Clemens-esque prospect um, is the type of guy the Tigers need to turn into real major leaguers on a more frequent basis yeah, I mean, look, you're right, but I'm just saying for him, it's a little past that. So, it, 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 now you're looking at the Pachecos of the world to turn mm-hmm. into, you know, the Colt Keys of the world to turn into those guys. You're not looking at Clemens in that way anymore because, look, that's what happens. Guys develop, guys peak, guys have limitations. Like, there's a lot that happens between draft position and when they finally reached major leagues. Now, if you want to say, well, it was error and dropped it, that's a whole other argument. But in terms of how we classified him when he came up, he has delivered in that sort of fashion. So let's look at a little pos- little, little up curve positivity. You know, as you mentioned, six and two this week, a little more, a little more positive. <laughs> what about Tarek Skubal? A guy who, you know, had a rough week in the outfield. Willie Castro, there. Willie, Ca- Willie Castro <laughs> had a really, whew, man. What was that Friday night where he, he, he recorded the final out, and it was like, uh, uh, and then you know, obviously mis misjudged the line ball just like he did at Yankee Stadium a couple weeks ago. But we're regardless. Uh, Tarek Skubal, a guy who had All Star trajectory this year month of june was not kind to him and as we record he is not going to be an all-star this season we'll get to that in a second he did however really bounce back from a rough first inning to retire 10 of 11 and keep the tigers in winning position at chicago this week I don't know if that means that Scoobles on the way back or if it's just an outing. But it was good to see him as a guy that you look to as your de facto ace. It was good to see a guy start to gather himself and, and, and deliver in the way that he did. No doubt. I mean, I think you just wanted to see signs that Tarek Skubal was back on the right track. You know, when he gives up a two-run tank to Lewis Robert, it's like, uh-oh, this isn't looking good. Mm-hmm. Finished it out with a much more Skubal-esque outing, which is what he needed. I think what just the it's encouraging for the fan base to see. This guy's still going to end the um, 
de facto first half of the season. His ERA is 399 right now. That almost feels disappointing based on how dominant he was at the beginning of the year. But revert it to spring training, if I were to say, hey, Tarek Skubal's got a 399 ERA, and he's thrown 94 innings, and most of his metrics check out really good. Would you take that? Yeah, I absolutely yes. think you would take that. Yes. And here's a guy who's actually, like, his expected ERA, based on the metrics, is 3.41. So it's not like uh, a Bo Brisky case where he's had some fortunate luck. Um, a little concerning that the home run ball is returning, even with the Robert pitch, but it was... It was a middle-middle pitch. I mean, you make that pitch, it's going to get hit out, especially against a team like the Chicago White Sox. Um, I'd like to see another outing before, you know, the A.J. Hinch thing. One good outing, three good outings don't make you this or that, and maybe we did start throwing around the ace label a little too quickly. I'd like to see more of a sample before really commenting, like, oh, is Tarek back on the upswing? Um but I guess we can say he's he's no longer fully on the downswing. Well, he kind of broke the, that. Streak the bottom a line bit, is, right? is a start, right? Like yeah. that's that, like that's. I don't feel like that's too far to say. It's a start. Like that's that's what you kind of wanted to see, especially again how it started. Speaking of Willie Castro, though, got to see him at shortstop. Were you happy with that? Did you did it get you uh, on a scale of one to listening to Taylor Swift music to see Willie ha- Castro at shortstop again? Did it make you giddy? Make you happy. Um, Make no. you think all as well. <laughs> no. He, I, I had to do a double take. I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, I, it's a good thing he's still got his infield glove broken in, my, broken in I guess, because uh, he did have a charging ball, and he had, you know, he, he had to get a scoop at first, but uh, definitely a different type of play considering what he's been uh, practicing as, but I was like, man, this is on Saturday, you know, obviously when the game was in was out of balance. It's like Willie Castro back at shortstop, first time this year, I believe. First I time so. this year, so. it has to be, it has to be, uh, probably first no, time. No, 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 he did no? it June fifteenth. He played center, short, and third. That was when they lost thirteen uh, zero. I think that was another position player pitching game. That's why. Okay. Well, he I missed- also did it May twenty fifth in a four two win against the Twins. I. Don't remember why that happened. Oh, okay. Well, and he did it on April twenty third in the second game of a doubleheader. So, I'm and off. he did it. You know what? We've seen a lot of Willie Castro short. We've seen we've seen it too much. Parts of five too much. Games, I, 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 I put it out of my brain. I take responsibility <laughs> for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. And and and. This is something that Dan Diggerson had talked about a decent bit, and we might bring it up again a little bit later. But position players pitching, you just alluded to it a little bit, in a win. That was odd to see. That was that that was that was odd to see. I I it was one of those things where I just didn't really know what to make of it in a way where I was like, normally when I see this, things have gone very, very bad. Things have gone very well today. And yet still it ends the same way. I guess that's just a result of the schedule. But I, but my point is, to, when you've seen position players pitching so, not so often, but you know, more often than what you would like if you're a Tigers fan. It was kind of funny, a little comic relief to see a position player pitch in a lopsided win. Well, I, I think it makes sense, right? Teams do it in losses. Why not do it in wins? The same sure, principle yeah. applies. You're saving your bullpen. It's, again, another thing we're starting to see more across the league. It's another thing. It's like, why, why does it seem like people just now thought of this, you know, that you can do it? Same time. Position players pitching has rapidly lost its novelty, so I don't get much of a rise out of it anymore. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but I'll just tease this with uh, it sucks. Just in general, like the concept, <laughs> it sucks. So, so you know, uh, to begin the first half of this podcast, we've talked about a wide range of emotional things. Uh, 
So why don't we just go ahead and bring up another wide range of emotional things, things that a person that people feel pretty strongly about, General Manager Al Avila, spoke to the media this week. And I gotta be honest, I, I try, and you do too, we try to be very honest on this podcast. Sometimes it comes across as negative, and that's not necessarily the intention, right? But it's just, we're just trying to be honest. We try to be honest here. So in the spirit of that, I'll be honest. I almost didn't read a single quote on Twitter as I'm scrolling. And a single story from Al's press availability. Now, I eventually did because obviously I got prepped for this podcast and be able to talk about it, you know. But for basically until today... I was like, I'm not, I'm not like engaging in this because all I'm just going to see is the fallout from Tiger's Twitter who has it out for him, which look, I get it. I'm not criticizing that notion, but it is one of those things in my mind that it's like, it's pretty expected that some people would say, like, if Al said you should stop at a red light, people would be like, ah, you know, do you have to? Like they, they dislike him that much let's be honest here let's be honest honesty brokers but when i finally did kind of dive into his words read your story available on the athletic if you're not a subscriber to the athletic the ever was seemingly evergreen one dollar subscription deal for six months or however many months it is is still active that take you to the end of the calendar year basically i'm not a uh, not a math major here it seemed like Al was a lot better than what his quotes were in your colleague Ken Rosenthal's story a couple weeks ago. And obviously, this is this is not me shading at Ken. Opposite of it, this we talked about it. Al's words. I was like, "Come on, dude. Come on, dude." But it, it seemed to me to be a little bit more of a leadership aspect from what his words were. You reported on this Cody uh before I get to another little I, I have a little bit of a compliment for you but that's like a side note to to the to the comp to the conference so I, I just want to get the essence of Al speaking out of the way first before we kind of dive into that so Al speaking disappointed upset even though it, it happened to be during the midst of a six game winning streak but the the emotions were still relevant in there so so i i think it's pretty simple i mean again an improvement over what he said in the kin article i wonder if someone was almost almost told him like hey if you're gonna say that everyone's accountable thing make sure you make clear that you're like accountable you know yeah maybe he uh, because because pod. he you know <laughs> he he did this he did the similar thing where he's like the players and the coaches and we're all accountable and then kind of a pause and it starts with me, okay? Great improvement. That's all people want to hear. That's leadership. That's saying I'm the GM, I'm the head of this organization, it starts with me. That's the type of thing people want to hear. And then compare it to the Chris Illich comments, uh, which you were critical of. And, and Chris was asked a little bit of an indirect question about the rebuild and comparing it to the Red Wings. Fair. And, so it's not like it was like, Chris, what's the state of the Tigers? But still, that comment was not re- well received because it came across – whether intended to or not, came across as a little disingenuous, uh, came across as sugarcoating, came across as not honest. And Al, he was honest, said, yeah, we're mad, we're disappointed, we're very angry, you know? There was no lying, there was no sugarcoating. For just a brief second, he dipped into, well, we've seen great progress on the farm, and the, and the pitching's great, and uh, that's not necessarily false, you know? But in years past, a lot of these Al talks have been all about, well, you know, there's hope, there's the farm system, and kind of brush aside the play on the field. Here you saw some accountability. I don't know if that leads to any actual changes or results, and people were definitely still knocking Al because that's what happens. It's probably one reason he doesn't talk more often because rarely is anything he he says going to help him. Uh, but overall, you know, I came away with, like, that's about as good as you can handle it was honest. It was accountable. It was basically saying, hey, this isn't acceptable and we have to fix it. I think that's all people expect of, of 
the leadership of this team to say in a situation like this. And I think Alavila checked those boxes. Um, not necessarily a, a props for the construction of this roster or props for the way things have turned out, but props for owning it. It's all people want. Just own it. And that's what he did. Own it. Since it is Motown, I'll use the analogy, face the music. Yeah. You know, just that's that's what we want from people in power. GMs, coaches, star players, politicians. Face the music. Face it. That's, that's part of the responsibility when you want to have that title and in certain cases that... Uh, that financial gain from having it we've criticized people who are paid like faces organization and then don't do it right so face the music that's part of it uh I, I'll oh, also... oh, quick quick interjection i i hate that we're becoming like media critics i've really tried to not criticize other media members but something alavilla was asked does aj hinch have an opt-out Oh, dude, you beat me to the and, budge you beat oh, me to the budge. i'm sorry i'll well, about doubled over laughing literally and i did too i was like really so here we go okay so i'll get to that in a second but what, what i was gonna say was i thought his explanation of the meadows paredes trade was very thorough in terms of that kind of setting it was very fair like sure. it was like we wanted to compete riley green got hurt we like paredes it's not like we trade him because we thought he sucked I, i'm paraphrasing here but, you know, in order to get this kind of player, you have to give up this kind of, you know, in return. And I I thought it's not like it was groundbreaking or anything, but I thought it was a good explanation as to what went in that trade that is looking more, if I were, if I were a betting man, which I kind of am, but if I were a betting man, I would say, like, this is about as bad as that trade is going to look. Like, I... I there's audio record. We like Paredes, but it's not like we thought he'd be having three multi-home run games or however many he has this year and 13 home runs overall or however many he has this year. So, okay, so you beat me to the punch about about the opt-out. I was going to give you... So what I was teasing earlier is I was going to give you credit for not putting in your story. Oh, yeah, I refuse to acknowledge that <laughs> uh, in, in writing. Didn't tweet it. I was like... Because I've reported on it, and Ken Rosenthal, like, yeah, it's been written. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And it wasn't even going to be, like, a criticism of other uh, of other media, but it was going to be one of those things where I was like, hey, we put this to bed two podcasts ago, mentioned it, like, 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 we, uh, yeah, we, we, we just, in our podcast, we put it. To bed and then in your reporting and then your colleagues reporting it's also been put to bed and then we've criticized those who just kind of keep trying to bring it up and so my credit was going to be you know in terms of positivity as opposed to negativity it was going to be one of those things where it's like hey by the way credit for not mentioning it literally at all like at all <laughs> i thought that was, and and as, as as you alluded to that was that was very purposeful but since we brought it up, can you just say what his facial expression was when that question was asked? I mean, Al? he literally, like, he was in the press box, and he literally, like, tilted his head back and kind of bent over, and I think he, like, put an elbow on the table, and he was just laughing, and I was uh, <laughs> I was trying to hold in my own laughter. It was pretty great. It was a, it was a priceless moment, actually. Right, Again, props you. to Al for having a very honest and authentic reaction in the moment. Uh, clearly, he felt the same. Why are we talking about this still? Yes, got to use got to use words like uniform contract and like all that stuff. <laughs> like, what are we even doing here? No, he did address Eduardo Rodriguez, which was interesting. okay. Yeah. So, um, wh which, what was that about? You know, it was basically he kind of got asked for his perspective on Eduardo. Very much mirrored uh, what AJ Hinch has said almost a week prior, which is there's been no communication. Got a little more traction in the news because he was asked if the team had looked into any way to void Eduardo's contract, in which Al said, I basically said, I'm not going to comment on that. It's a private matter. I'm not going to comment. Which sure seems to me like a way of saying, yeah, we're definitely thinking about it. Because if the answer was no, the answer could easily be, no, we support Eduardo. Uh, we wish we'd hear from him, but you know, we want him to be a tiger for years to come. 
no comment sounds like we got some attorneys really seeing if we can do anything here. And I'm not going to really predict whether they can. I know voiding contracts is very rare in baseball, which has guaranteed contracts. Uh, I've done a little bit of research. The closest cases I can find are players who've had criminal charges or even convictions. And even then, uh, there's usually some kind of buyout the teams have settled upon. Francisco Rodriguez with the Mets is a good example that comes to mind. Uh, so I don't know if the Tigers actually can, but it sure will be interesting to see. And I would like to think that being out there in the news, there are these news headlines, you know, Alvila won't comment on if Tigers are concerned. You think that might spark Eduardo's camp to like maybe talk to Yo. the team, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it did. I sure haven't heard anything. Uh, so I actually kind of thought that was well played by, by Al and the Tigers too. Uh People who listened to us when the lockout was official, and even a little bit into the lead-up, but when it was official, uh, know my feelings about the MLB Players Association. Which is not negative, by the way. It's not negative. But, just a reminder, the MLB Players Association blocked a trade for A-Rod to go to the Boston Red Sox because he was going to have to give up some salary, even though he voluntarily agreed to it. They blocked it. The MLB Players Association in the late 90s said that steroid testing is a violation of player medical privacy. I don't know if they said HIPAA. I don't know if they would have gone that far, but it was a violation of medical privacy for steroid testing. The MLB Players Association is, in my estimation, the most successful, hardest-run labor union in the history of the world. I say that to say that if the Tigers try to void Eduardo Rodriguez's contract, that will not be a short fight. That will go the length of the bout. That's all I'm saying. If they are going to, because again, he was one of the more high-profile free agents, pitcher-wise, of that offseason. If they try to do that, that will not be a short fight. That's all I'm saying. So if they have lawyers looking into it, if if that's even like remotely a possibility, they all know this. That is not something to be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. And, by the way... Just to reiterate what we said before, credit to the Tigers. If if Al mirrored AJ Hinch's message, that means they're on the unified front. So credit to them on that. If there's a void to be had there, it's not going to be a short battle. That's all I'm saying. Because the union will fight that tooth and nail. Which, by the way, if you're the union... You should, because you're fighting for, you know, every one of your members to get every single dollar they can. And, like, I'm not criticizing Union for it. I'm just saying they are a strong arm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I hope to do some reporting over the next week or so. Talk to some experts, see, because off the top of my head, again, that's all I can add. It's very rare. Um, It doesn't happen. Um, Does that mean it can't happen? I'm not sure. Uh, We'll, uh... Hope to provide some more information in the next week or so. Well, the thing is that uh, the point that I have made and that 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 you have concurred with is, uh, you know, just like being a doll and communicate. If you're Eduardo Rodriguez's camp, just communicate. Just that's a, a lot of this angst could be avoided with that. So, okay, we'll 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 move on. From that to uh, a couple positive things. So, overall, positive week. Six and two. Six and two, Cody. Six and two. <laughs> we got two all-stars for the Detroit Tigers this year. One came out earlier this week. Miguel, well, we'll say three. We're going to count Willie Horton. Any objections to that? No. No objections. We're counting Willie Horton. Three Detroit Tigers all-stars. Uh... Miguel Cabrera is going to be a part of like the legends commissioners like what's the exact term like legacy promote, selection legacy, I think legacy selection 
you touched on this so well in your story, and it was one of those things where I kind of, I kind of, so I was like, God damn it, Cody. When you, when I read your story, because I was like, I was kind of, kind of like, use this angle on the podcast, and now it's just, now I'm just mirroring what you said. But, uh, I actually had, at best, luke lukewarm feelings about this when it was announced for a couple reasons. Number one, now this is proven to be untrue, but number one, I thought, oh my god, is this a way to get the Tigers an All Star representative uh, without having like uh, like somebody on the team like actively like like you know an All Star this year? They use the legacy thing, and then that proved not to be true. So that was again one of my first reactions. My my, my second reaction was I was like, yo. Everything that we know is that Miguel Cabrera is going to play next season. Personally, I would rather Miguel Cabrera receive this honor when it is his curtain call of sorts. Now, if he ends up... I'm obviously just saying all scenarios here. I'm not... Obviously, I'm not a reporter, so I'm not reporting anything. But if he ends up retiring after this year then it makes more sense. Not under the impression that is going to happen. So, he gets this honor this year. Then in January, February of 2023, he says, this is my last season. So then we got to do this again? Like, I would have really loved for this to, like, if, if, if I could just, like, write the story how it ends... It would obviously be better that this happens in his last season. I don't know if that's disputable. Uh, now, maybe the circumstances dictated because Pujols looks like he's, I mean, in a lot of ways, he's, I mean, he's on his last legs more than Miguel Cabrera is, but so you just kind of have to even it out, and he's the most, you know, reasonable candidate to do that. I get that. And it is a feel good. Two of the best right handed hitters in baseball history. I get that. I'm just saying I would have liked it to be in whatever season Miguel Cabrera's last was. And I know batting average isn't what it used to be in terms of barometers, but it it does feel kind of weird to get the uh, to get the legacy selection when you're still hitting above 300 and an everyday player. It's just, it's, 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 it's a weird vibe. It's a weird vibe. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's a weird vibe. So, those are sort of my feelings on it. And in your story, Cody, available on The Athletic, you can read it, obviously, if you're a subscriber. You went and, and did a really great macro view of the, we'll say 2022, but it obviously extends more than 2022, version of Miguel Cabrera. And I'll say this. I'll say this. You subscribe to the Athletic. You're not. A, you. you mo- vast majority of people are not dumb that subscribe to the Athletic. You subscribe there because you're a smart sports mind. And there were a lot of people that commented on that story saying that this was dumb that they would have Miguel Cabrera be you know, like an all-star or an honorary all-star or whatever this year, like it diminished the all-star game and, you know, this is why the all-star game is unwatchable and and all that stuff. Uh, So those were my feelings on it. I get get why this is a thing. And I think overall it is a good thing in terms of baseball in general to have some some honorary all-stars. I just think for Miguel Cabrera's timeline it's one year too soon i think that's a really good point um i like the idea of legacy selections right i like the idea pujol says last year he's going to be in the all-star game one of my favorite all-star moments growing up was i think it was cal ripken and tony gwynn you know they both knew it was going to be their last season they were in the all-star game they were kind of all these big ceremonies um, A-Rod, who was still a shortstop at the time, switched over to third and let Cal Ripken play short, and that was really cool. I still remember it. But again, right, it's 
theoretically not Miguel Cabrera's last year. If you do it again next year, then it kind of cheapens it. I get, you know, you probably want to balance the AL and NL rosters, but would anyone really complain if Rob Manfred were just like, we're going to give Pujols an honorary spot, NL gets one more spot so they can have that one, you know? Good would point. Anyone, would anyone really be mad? I don't think so. Good point. Uh, for my story, someone put the headline on it. We're doing this thing where there's kind of, like, you click on the story and it's one headline and the actual story has a different headline. I did notice that. New York Times search engine optimization thing. I, I don't know. Hashtag whoever wrote SEO. Yeah, whoever wrote uh, the headline, Miguel Cabrera wanted to earn an all-star game, and he did. An all-star nomination, and he did. That was not me, because by sheer principle, I could not say a player worth negative 0.3 war and with a 99 WRC plus has earned an all-star nomination. Um by the sheer definition, he's been a below-league average player, so he I don't think you can say he's earned an All-Star nominee. Um, all that said, like I, as I examined in my story, Miguel's doing some things right now that maybe is an example of the metrics don't quite reflect everything. I mean, he's become kind of a slap hitter, and I swear he's the amount of balls he's hitting up the middle, like it just seems it has to be like, Miguel, with such good bat-to-ball skills, being like, if I put it up the middle, it's going to be a base hit. You know, he doesn't have the power. That's a big reason the metrics don't like him, but he is hitting 307. He's hitting, what, 370, 380 with runners in scoring position. Uh, his RBI total aren't great, but he'd have more RBI if if his the lineup in front of him weren't awful. Mm-hmm. So I think Miguel deserves a lot of credit. I think if you're for just for what he's doing for hitting 307, I think if you're a Tigers fan, you'll probably enjoy watching Miguel at the All Star game. It'll probably be cool. Overall, I don't think let's say there weren't this legacy thing. I don't think he should have been the Tigers All-Star selection for reasons I outlined. The numbers indicate he's a below-league average player. Um, and I, if we see this again next year, I think it kind of cheapens the point of doing it this year. That's another thing, too. Like, like I don't know. I guess... I... I People won't be surprised. I'm prone to a lot of macro thinking on a lot of things. And obviously, you know this about me just in general. And maybe this is not good. Maybe this is not like the right mindset. But my first thought was, what about next year? Like Literally. literally, Miguel Cabrera, honorary all-star. What about next year? Should I be thinking that way? Probably not because you never know. Like, you know, nothing's a guarantee. Like, he could be hurt. You know, God forbid. You know, he could... He could be hurt all next year, and then you can't do it. Like, and then it's like, oh, this was a missed opportunity. Like, that's all fair, but it just, it just felt to me like I would have liked for this to have been as a part of the tour of retirement. You know, and 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 and, and, and you know what? We're just making up rules when it comes to this thing. So maybe it will happen again next year, and there's another way to spin it. Who knows? But or maybe he retires. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it was one of those things where I was like, Ugh. not not the mark I would have wanted. But as we record this, this is recent news, and it will be a little bit old news by the time people listen to this. The Tigers do have a regular all-star representative. That would be closer... Gregory Soto, who, you know, if you're keeping score at home, this is back-to-back all-star nods for Gregory Soto. And you know what? You know what, Cody? There is too much Soto slander on my timeline. I'm not (laughs) saying this guy is unimpeachable. I'm not saying that he's flawless and even if you told me his profile is a little bit short of someone who would be quote-unquote back-to-back all-star i wouldn't fight you on it too much but basically anytime he gives up a base hit there are people on twitter it's like oh well i mean i told you he sucked like today (laughs) on sunday he gives up a blue single and it's like where the Soto stands now. It's like, really? That was 
Is that is, is that where you're going to be like, huh, I told you you were right? You know what I mean? I just feel like he's... I, I just feel like he's a lot better than what... The, the critics are loud. The critics are loud. This year, 2.67 ERA, which is down from a 3.39 last year overall. Obviously, not the whole season out. About halfway through his amount of appearances, actually, from 2021. Uh, he's one save away from matching his save total last year. And the save, same amount of opportunities. Now, this is on L, uh, MLB app, so... I don't know how quickly they updated. I'm looking at it real time, six o'clock Eastern time, or excuse me, six o'clock Central time. Uh, so maybe that's like slightly off, but the gist is correct. The gist is correct. To me, he's performed like I don't even want to say it this way, but what I gotta say is like uh, the dude's not a disappointment. He came in as a closer. And he's saving games. He's had some blown ones. That happens. Opponent's average is .213. And as I look up, uh, look up some other stats. I mean, I'm just saying this guy is not undeserving of being an all-star again, especially given the Tigers this year. Where else are you going to get it? I'm happy for Soto that he gets this all-star nod again because he's had to work through a lot of things this year and his numbers are still very admirable. And if you're one of those guys where it's like you got to sell, you got you got to like take advantage of every asset that you have, uh, uh, most best asset you got. So... This will only garner more attention if you want to shop him at the trade deadline. So, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think overall he's deserving. Maybe maybe not as sharp as I want him to be in certain situations. But the, the slander has gone too far. The slander's gone too far. I think Gregory Soto's been fine. When you're a team with the, with the record that the Tigers have... Gregory Soto's pretty far down the list of problems on this roster, in my opinion. Well, the slander has too, has gone too far. He was 18 for 19 in save chances last year. He's 17 for 19 in save chances this year. So why are we saying this guy's bad again? Um, sometimes the eye test is ugly. Sometimes it's scary. I will maintain. Bases loaded. Ninth inning in the World Series, two outs. I don't know if he's the guy I want on the mound, because what if he throws a wild pitch or walks in the run? Uh, but overall, this guy's earned earned his all-star bid last year. I think he is uh, deserving of such consideration this season. That said, my all-star pick would have been Alex Lang, because Alex Lang has got a better ERA than Gregory Soto. He's got higher wins above replacement than Gregory Soto. He has a higher strikeout rate than Gregory Soto. He has a slightly lower walk rate than Gregory Soto. He has thrown two more innings than Gregory Soto. So why is Soto getting this all-star bid over Alex Lang or even Michael Fulmer? I think all three have been really good back in the levers for the Tigers this year. All things considered, uh, the numbers to me indicate both Fulmer and Lang have been better. If I were to go straight eye test, like who I think has been the best, I think Alex Lang has been the guy. Uh, I kind of feel like Alex Lang robbed this a little bit. I don't know if uh, just because Soto's a closer, or maybe he's, he's a lefty or whatever. I think Alex Lang should have been the all-star. I'm not going to fight you on that. I think I think the explanation is one word. I think it's profile. And that's, yeah, that's just part of it. Alex Lang deserves, I would probably say, more traction on tiger's twitter i think we need to talk about him a little bit more he's probably top four on guys that get on pitching ninja clips on the tigers team i would say and you're right now i'm not going to dispute obviously the stats the stats are the stats this guy has the markings of a guy who could be the future closer so if you end up trading soto for you know whatever package who's who, who's the guy you look to as a closer? 
homeboy Alex gonna be be gonna be on that short list. So uh, I'm not gonna disagree with you there, but the Soto slander has just gone too far. Where it's like on the on the handful of times that he's come in and blown a save or blown a lead, it's just too far in my opinion. So. All right, uh, AJ Hinch suggestion box time. Suggestion box time. I'll I'll make this quick. Um, the lineups, Cody. Tell me, there's a Jamer Candelario reckoning in the midst right now. I want that verbalized a little bit because obviously Jamer's at the back of the lineup. Pretty reasonable for a guy who's batting 193 on the year. And Harold Castro's been taking, I don't know the exact amount, but I'm just like, what I motion is when I get that update of what the starting lineup is. It feels like there's more Harold at third base than uh, what would be normal. And my suggestion to AJ would be, and I'm sure he's probably doing this internally already, I'm sure. But I don't know that for a fact. So my suggestion is, I think there needs to be a little bit of a, like a acknowledgement in the public's like, we're kind of, we need more from Jamer. We need more from him. He's been healthy majority of the year. He's been struggling. I would probably say he's been slightly below what my expectations are in the field. Not that he's been bad, but he's been below expectations in the field. It's been worse than he was last year. It's been worse than he was last year. And certainly at the plate. Now, in fairness, this week he did have, as I look at my notes, he did have a very key home run and a Friday win, three RBI on the day. But I I think we need to challenge him a little bit more. If I'm if I'm AJ, if I'm the Tigers organization, need to challenge him a little bit more and maybe put it out. It's like, hey, you know what? There are no guarantees for you, bro. So that would be my thing for AJ. It's like either publicly or privately. He may be already doing it privately, but it's like we need more from you. We need more from you. So that's my box. I think that's a good one. I think it is time to make that a little more public. And look, I think guys like Robbie Grossman and Jonathan Scope have kind of caught a lot of heat from the fan base or whatever. It almost seems like on the, the long list of struggling players, Jamer's been gotten a little bit of a pass. I don't know why. Maybe because he was, he was out a little bit or the playing time wasn't there. Or, so he was so good the last two years. I don't know, but it's kind of like... No passes for Jamer, you know. He's he's now at the bottom of the list in terms of guys who are struggling and haven't shown many signs of picking it up. Uh, my AJ suggestion box, we will relate to earlier in the episode, position players pitching. I'm tired of seeing it. Mm. Because I'm tired of seeing it, I think AJ should keep doing it. And I think he should keep doing it, and I think he should come out and say, this is ridiculous. Well, B needs to do something about this. There should probably be some kind of rule saying you can only have a position player pitch under X circumstance. You can only have one guy do it per game, whatever. Um, You know, right now it's within the rules. It's helping him save the bullpen, whatever. I think a big reason it's being done is because Major League Baseball um, went back to 13 and 13. You can only have 13 pitchers rather than 14. Uh, I think especially this season, given the circumstance of the lockout and the condensed schedule, the condensed schedule, sometimes we forget we're under this compressed condensed schedule because of lockout. We are. It's not quite a normal year. Uh, That's the reason you're seeing AJ throw these position guys. And going back to 13 and 13, I think Major League Baseball should have extended that for the rest of the season. So whatever the solution is, I don't like the perfect solution. I don't know. But I think the path to that solution is keep throwing these position players until someone else decides this is ridiculous. What are we doing? Or you know, look, look, AJ's got a uh, AJ's got a he's got a voice. Now we don't like to talk about it as much in a national conversation because of look how it ended in Houston. We don't, as a national collective, we don't want to acknowledge it. 
But he does have a voice. He is very smart. He's very calculated. He can use that voice to sort of like put baseball on the table. MLB on the table. Be like, yeah, this is what you want. This is what you made us do. You know what I mean? Like this is this. You know (laughs) what I mean? And he has the power to do that. I think he should do that. And doing it in a win this week, I think, was a perfect example of that because there hasn't been a normal season. We're on year three. Next year will be normal, quote unquote. Hopefully, you know, God willing. But you have COVID year, you have fallout from COVID year, and then you have still COVID, but mainly lockout. Condensed schedule, double headers, and you know you have the a lot of that has to do with obviously rain all that stuff. But it was condensed anyway, so then it becomes more condensed when weather comes in. He has no choice but to do this kind of stuff. Put baseball on its head. I agree with you. Make it for the rest of the year. Who are we harming by having another arm on the roster? I. Don't believe the fallout for that is severe. I could be wrong. You can tell me. I don't know. But yeah, I think part of MLB's justification was offense and more bullpen arms were suppressing offense. But by the way, offense is down anyway because you screwed the ball. So I don't even want to hear that if if Rob were to tell that to me. So, okay. It's a great week for the Tigers. Six and two. It ended with a two-game losing streak, but that's okay. It started with a six-game winning streak. We'll see what happens. Got the Royals coming up. Doubleheader on Monday. No break. No rest for the wicked, as they say, uh, until the All-Star break. Overall, a lot of good things that we saw this week. Next week, when we talk next, will probably be a better indication of, you know, as Tucker said, like, could there be meaningful baseball in the second half of the season? That will be a lot. A lot of that will be determined next week so cody anything else you want to tease before we get out of here i think that's it all righty so subscribe to the athletic if you haven't already please subscribe to this podcast apple spotify five star reviews we greatly appreciate it ignore our tone we have a lot of fun doing this it's a lot of fun we just try to keep it real sometimes that comes across a little more negative that's okay like i said there's a price for keeping it real Please follow Cody Stavenhagen on Twitter at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. So for T Swift, number one fan, Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have an amazing week. <laughs>